What's up, Story Side? Hey! <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so glad to be here. Story Side, I love you. Again, welcome, welcome. We want to take some time to welcome you if you're joining us online. My name is Pastor Kristen. I'm one of the staff pastors here. Maybe this is your first time. You don't know who I am. I've been here for about six years, uh, coming up in September, and it has been an absolute honor to serve you, to serve this community. And it wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for amazing leaders like Pastor Micah, Pastor Angel. Could you take some time to honor our leaders? And yeah, I have been gone for a little bit. It was, goodness, it was only two weeks, honestly. Thank you. I love you. I missed you. Um, So June 22nd to July 2nd, I had the opportunity to go to South America. I was in Peru and, and witnessed to a lot of kids. So not many people, I was actually a little bit nervous about it. Not many people would travel alone. I traveled solo to uh, internationally to stay in a new place, stay with new people, to sleep in a hotel room with four strangers. True story. I didn't know them. (laughs) We're probably friends now, probably forever now, (laughs) but... uh, and then also to, to minister in an unknown country with a language barrier. It turns out that it was the largest mission team in the history of mission teams. 10,000 volunteers, 5,000 non-Peruvians met up with 5,000 Peruvians to help change the story of Peru, to change their story. So I want to share some, share some photos with you. So this, this is my schedule. This is what I did. Um, and we were booked the, the entire time. So some people came in, had a free day. We had ceremonies, commissioning sessions. I was a part of the, the school and street ministry team. And every single day, Monday through Friday, we were in schools. Um, we had church time in the evening. And then we were all preparing for this one big day on Saturday and then other, um, other times as well. This was the team that I traveled with or that I met up with. So because I traveled solo, I, they connected me with a church from Miami and I was a part of their team. It was Abundant, Abundant Life Church out of, they were not Miami, not Miami they were from Fort Lauderdale. Um, in addition to There were 12 of us that spoke English (laughs) and then 12 Peruvians who who served with us, who represented local churches there and then also served as our interpreters. So with this team, we were in a poverty-stricken area. Um, It was unsafe for us to leave the hotel unless we were in a group. We had safety you can't really see him, but we had a safety member traveling with us. We never felt threatened. And with this team, you learn so much. You get really comfortable with asking a, a stranger for toilet paper from here. So none of the bathrooms that we went to had toilet paper. So so oddest thing, you know, you get comfortable really fast. Like, hey, <laughs> I got to go to the bathroom. I need toilet paper. Um, you ask them for water because you can't drink the water there. 
this entire group of people and all 10,000 of us, we only ate peanut butter and jelly for lunch for the entire time because that's the only non-perishable food that you can make the night before and doesn't need to be refrigerated. And then the project manager likes to call it the, the big D and the big C. Either diarrhea or constipation is gonna happen when you're on a mission trip and it, it could happen when you're out, as you know. <laughs> when they actually provide medicine for it, so it happens to all of us. <laughs> And then here are some of the children that we had the honor to serve. Peruvians turned out to be some of the most beautiful people that you could ever lay your eyes on. And you can keep moving through the photos. There's a lot of them. Beautiful children, beautiful faces. I know from the outside, even with the clothes that they wear, it looks like they're all together. But hearing some of these kids' stories some of the brokenness and hopelessness and the things that are going on in their homes are heartbreaking. Every single school had uniforms. It was because the parents can't afford to um, purchase clothing and they don't want to send them to school in tattered clothes and they don't have enough clothing to just reserve one. So it's easiest to put on a uniform as soon as you get up in the morning and take it off as soon as you get home because you don't have to wash it every day. Beautiful. I love those kids. Some of them, that girl, go back to the one, the other one. That girl right there on my right, she really likes social media, and I don't know if that's what she came, what she came for. I don't know if she listened to any of the prayers that I had, but she was one of the first ones that wanted to add me on Facebook. Her name was uh, Yamile, Yamile. She was sweet. And then we have, this is what their houses look like. So just to put it in perspective, their uniforms are great, beautiful, and they look good on the outside. But this is, this is where they live. There is no driving path to get to any of these houses. In order to get drinking water or any type of water, you have to drag it up any path that you could find. And because of how they built things out of the mountain and not really being able, not really having a way to get out of the mountain, if you're up there and you die, there's no way to bring your body down. And so underneath the foundation of many of these homes are dead bodies. And these are their living conditions. Those beautiful faces, those beautiful kids. While we were there ministering, there were three different teams. My team was the ministry team. Uh, there was a water filtration team that went in as well as medical clinics that were set up all over Peru. Our responsibility as a, as a ministry team was to perform skits. So I had all of my training materials long before I ever, ever got on a plane. We learned skits, we learned dramas, we learned fun dances and songs. And what it does is it breaks that language barrier. So you may not be able to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, but you can understand emotion or drama me falling out or be, being dramatic because I was dramatic. 
But the dramas and skits talked about protecting your heart and not letting just anybody have your heart, understanding negative labels that we could put on ourselves, but how God really redefines us and calls us worthy and he calls us loved and he calls us restored. And each day at every single school, each of the child received a sticker that said, yo soy, with a blank, it means I am. And they were responsible with all of the negative labels that are put on. They had the responsibility to write a positive label. So they would write, yo soy fuerte, I am strong. Or yo soy inteligente, yo, I am intelligent. And we had to go around and they had to say out loud positive things about themselves as well as what their dreams were because there's no one in their worlds that speak into their dreams and speak into who they can be based on their surroundings. So the schools had to give us permission to actually share the gospel. Not every school gave us that permission. Um, one of our, Peru our Peruvian uh, tribe leaders, she was responsible for coordinating access to the schools. And every day she was talking to the principals, can we share Jesus? Sometimes they would say, no, you can't share him in the microphone, but you can share him in a small group. And at one school, you can't share him in the microphone. You can't talk about him in small group, but you can whisper it in the kid's ear. Our skits and our dramas would last about 25 minutes, and then our small groups would be about 30 to 40 minutes. So don't underestimate the power of small groups because actually that's, in those moments is really where God moved in miraculous ways. We could hear these kids' stories. We could look into their eyes. We could hear their voice. We could hear their prayer requests, some of the most heartbreaking prayer requests that you would ever hear. It wasn't in my group, but it was in... Um, one of the, the groups that was in the hotel with us, they walk in and this young girl runs away from the group. And one of the, the leaders runs over to her. And eventually, the little girl starts to talk. And she had been saying, or she told the young lady, that she had been being raped every single day by her father. And, and that day she accepted Jesus. Just heartbreaking stories, but in those moments, we could preach the gospel, lead them to Jesus, and walk them through the prayer of salvation. Just our group of 24, we had access to 2,276 teachers and students. That's how many we had access to. And out of that 2,276, 1,057 accepted Jesus for the first time. And that was just 24 out of the 24 of us out of 10,000. It was happening all over Peru. Um, so StorySide, you helped do that, uh, whether it was through sponsorship or prayers or um, your generosity towards the 8,000 following Jesus books that went over to them in their language, your texts, your well wishes. Thank you for believing and really loving the local church. You make a difference. And you're awesome. And as I process those 10 days... I thought about you, and I came home with a greater and deeper love for the global church as well as StorySide. And I love the local church. I love building and empowering and praying for and defending, defending the local church. 
And during that time, it was my story tied with the gospel that helped build the local church. And that's who we are, story side. That's who you are. God writes good stories. We saw that. We see that every single day, every time that you come in and we hear your story and you talk about what was and what is. There's two sides of every story. And many will believe your story before they ever believe Jesus. And so sometimes there are truths about who we are that we just have to be reminded of. And I started preparing this message actually before I left, but man, being away for so long, I was so stirred when I came home. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to share this. The truths that we need to remember, that you may know them, they, again, they just may be simple reminders. But the first truth is that before we really gave God the pen to write our story, we were in spiritual darkness. We were completely unaware. We were oblivious, just like I am to any guy who likes me. I just, I just don't know, <laughs> you know? But following Jesus sets us free. Sets us free from spiritual darkness. And this is really illustrated in the natural realm. Truth liberates. Truth sets us free. But darkness, lack of knowledge or ignorance, for lack of a better word, it keeps people in bondage. So, for example, a person that can read has freedoms to read about medicine, to read about law, to read about finance, to read about psychology, but the person that is unable to read or is considered illiterate is bound by their illiteracy, their inability to read. And they're severely stricted in what he or she can do. So spiritual darkness keeps a person from knowing the true and living God. And that's who we're after. Allowing God to write our stories is like a treasure chest that opens and frees us to truly, truly enjoy him. The second truth is before we gave God the pen, we were slaves, slaves to sin. The sinful lifestyle, it's fun, but we were still slaves to it. We were bound, we were held, we were deceived, we were captives. But what did it do? By following Jesus, it set us free from being bound to sin. And the first step to freedom is to just recognize that you're a slave to it, that it controls you, that it keeps you. And we're truly free when we know the truth about ourselves in the world. This means that we have to throw off lies and deceptions and misconceptions. We have to throw off sin it can, you can apply it to whether it's anger, unforgiveness, or jealousy, or selfishness, whatever it is. Because true spiritual freedom is not the freedom to sin. True spiritual freedom is the freedom not to sin. And if you follow God's word, you'll be freed from bondage to those sins. And God's words gives us structure. I'm reminded of a quote that I heard from Pastor Marcus Meekham. And he said, a river is only a river with strong banks. So think about that. 
The banks provide boundaries, provides resistance, provides a strong force that keeps the water on the path. And without it, it ceases to be a river. So freedom in Jesus is just like those, just like those strong banks. And it involves structure. And being bound or having boundaries in Christ allows us to be free to, to be what we're created to be. Is anybody thankful that we serve a God that helps us to not live bound by sin, gives us structure? The third truth, before we gave God the pen, we lived to serve ourselves. Perfect example of self-serving, okay? I'm not a fan of airports, except I really love them. I know it contradicts. I love traveling. It's weird. I just, it's just the people that bother me. So <laughs> self-serving, self-focused. You know those people that as soon as the plane lands, gets to the gate, they'll be in the very back of the plane, except they stand up immediately and they start bum-rushing all the way to the front. The door hasn't even opened yet. That is my definition of self-serving, and I have made it my life goal to ensure that that person <laughs> does not get up <laughs> and get past me. You do not get past me. <laughs> but we live to serve ourselves. But following Jesus sets us free to serve others in love. Galatians 5.13 it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Mark 10:45. Follow my example. Even the Son of Man did not come for people to serve him. He came to serve others and to give his life to save many people. To fulfill God's mission, we as believers, the ones that have been changed, the ones that have given God the pen and said, you know what, God, you get to have my story. We have the responsibility to go into our, go into our communities, to love our neighbors, to reach people that are far from God, with the gospel of love, the gospel of truth, and the gospel of hope and freedom. So as you're listening today, I want you to think about your friends. Think about your family, your favorite cousin, the people that you work with, just as they come to your mind, the ones you go to school with, the barista at Starbucks that has your drink memorized? Your neighbor, the cashier at Walmart, your employee, think about their stories. So for the last few weeks, we have been in a Holy Spirit series where we're asking God to help us make more room for him. So we have this opportunity to have the power of Christ living on the inside of us, the power that helps us live this life on earth. It gives us peace that passes all understanding. 
We have hope when we're depressed. It is our internal GPS system that walks us through this life. Think of the benefits of living a life for Christ, where you are now. It could be maybe one weekend. You could be one month into your relationship, five years, 10 years, 50, 60 years into that relationship with life. But when you think about it, Jesus is the game changer. We were in spiritual darkness, all of us. We were slaves to sin, serving ourselves. But then Jesus, then Jesus came. My prayer is that today you could be empowered or challenged and we could debunk myths, overcome barriers, because many of us truly do have a here I am, send me mentality. We will do whatever. But then there's the mind monsters and these confidence killers that try to, try to step in and try to hold us back. There's this myth that you're not called that likes to creep up. That it's somebody else's responsibility, not yours because you don't feel chosen. John 20, 21, then Jesus said again, peace be with you. It was the Father who sent me, and I'm now sending you in the same way. That's you. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go everywhere in the world, tell the good news to everyone. You're called, we're called, and we have a responsibility to tell the good news to everyone. This other myth is that you're unqualified. I've struggled with this myself. This part was easy to think about. You haven't believed long enough. Don't have the right words. You lack skill. Don't know enough. Afraid that if somebody comes back with a question, you don't necessarily know the answer. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right education or that when you look at your life, you've messed up too much. There's this common quote that came to mind. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. In the Bible, David had an affair. Noah got drunk. Gideon was insecure. Martha was a worrier. Sarah was impatient. Moses stuttered. Abraham was old. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> but God... But God still used them all. Mark Batterson is quoted saying, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualified the called. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And you're called. 1 Corinthians 1.26. Now remember what you were, my brothers and sisters, when God called you. From the human point of view, few of you were wise or powerful or of high social standing, me included. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, but God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus, and God has made Christ to be our wisdom. By him, we are put right with God. We become God's holy plate, holy people and are set free. You're called, you're qualified, and you're free. And when God says go, 
That means go and allow him to use you for the advancement of his kingdom. The truth is, somebody you know is oblivious. People don't know what they don't know. Somebody you know looks together on the outside, like our kids in Peru, but they're dying inside. Somebody you know is in darkness. Somebody you know is being bound by sin. Somebody you know is in need of freedom. And the truth is, and the reality is, they won't come to church. They won't hear a prayer of salvation or the gospel preached to them from this platform. But you know what? They will believe your story. So what is your story? What is your before and your after? Think about it now. Take notes if you need to. Start writing your story. I'm good at doing that during church. What's your before? What's your after? Do you know how God challenged you and how God changed you and how he did it all while he was loving you? That's your story. That's what we tell people. I'm reminded of Pastor Ethan's message from about two weeks ago, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Holy Spirit does the work in you so that he can do a work through you. Can we pause for just a moment, just to thank God for the work that he's done in us? Aren't you thankful for the work that he's done in us? And now God is going to do a work through you for his glory. So how can we as believers help others get free? How can, how can freedom be their story? It's our story. How do we help change their story? I want to challenge you this week to share Jesus. Share your story with just two people. Make a plan to give somebody a tool that will help them in their relationship with Jesus. It could be a podcast. It could be a devotion. It could be a song. Maybe it's a, a scripture link from Bible Gateway or Bible Hub. Maybe it's encouraging them to download the YouVersion Bible app. And then make a list of individuals that you plan to invite to church over the next few weeks. So next week, we're starting our Be a Bringer series. Next weekend is family weekend, getting ready to go into lots of baptisms, celebration, our family festival. The following week is, is it co-worker week? Oh, I should look at it, huh? <laughs> family first, <laughs> and then <laughs> it's literally in my face. The following week is friend week, and then the third week, July 25th and 28th, is co-worker or your classmates. Don't underestimate the power of an invitation to church. I remember, wasn't it the Fishers that invited the Gaddises? Wasn't it you? Julie Hinklin, she, where's she at? She's over here. Wave, Julie. Say hi. Julie invited me. 2013. September 20th, 2013 was my first week here, and it was co-worker week. And I never left. (laughs) 
Other ways that you could share could be through your generosity. Sow into somebody's freedom. Again, some of you sowed into the ability to go to Peru. Some of you sow into our mission team that are going to the Dominican Republic this year. As you continue to give and as you, you open your heart to generosity, you're a part of those baptisms that'll happen next week. You're a part of the internship. You're a part of kids' ministry as they're in there at the movie series. You're a part of the kids that'll be leaving on Tuesday to go to Central Youth Conference to experience a powerful week in God's presence. You're a part of that as you continue to give. It could be a dream team. It could be starting a small group to help foster community. This is how you help people get free. It could be your the serve day that's coming up on July 13th. It could be outreach in downtown Mansfield where we serve food. The truth is the world is dying for hope. It's dying for love. It's dying for help. And you don't have to go miles away. You don't have to travel internationally. You don't have to travel across state lines. They're your next door neighbors. They're your mechanics. They're the cashiers. They're your family. And for most of you, God is calling you to the people you see every day. D.L. Moody made a covenant with God that he would witness for Christ to at least one person a day. One night at about 10 o'clock, he realized that he hadn't witnessed yet. So he went out to the street and spoke to a man standing by a lamppost asking him, are you a Christian? The man flew into a violent rage and threatened to knock Moody into the gutter. Later, that same man went to an elder in the church and complained that Moody was doing more harm in Chicago than 10 men were doing good. The elder begged Moody to temper his zeal with knowledge. Three months later, Moody was awakened at the YMCA by a man knocking at the door. It was the man he had witnessed to. And he said to Moody, I want to talk to you about my soul. He apologized for the way he treated and said that he'd had no peace ever since that night on Lake Street when Moody witnessed to him. Moody led the man to Christ, and that man became a zealous worker in the church. So who in your world could be suffering from spiritual darkness? Maybe somebody's soul isn't at peace in your world. Who needs the love of God? Who needs the freedom of God? Is it your best friend? Is it a sibling? Is it someone in class? Maybe somebody at the gym. Somebody needs freedom. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs your story. You are the key that unlocks their freedom. And it's all wrapped up in your story. Can I pray for you? Maybe the people in your world are like the children of Peru. Again, beautiful on the outside, beautiful smiles. But inside, they are dying. 
Inside, they are hopeless. Inside, they are broken. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. Some people might be dealing with life struggles that they just feel unequipped to handle themselves. If you had the cure with our eyes closed, if you had the cure to a deadly disease, if you had the cure to cancer, wouldn't you share it? We have the cure to death. And it's Jesus. Jesus.